Welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast, your weekly opportunity to tune in and listen to the best review team online, taking time out to chat with you and each other about all topics in the world of lingerie, hosiery, and much more. Enjoy today's episode. And welcome to Laundry Lowdown, the podcast. I am Scarlett Rose, and I'm here to bring you episode five of Scarlett's Secrets. Today, uh, I have Christian Red joining me. Christian is a rope bondage uh, teacher, and we have traveled the world together, teaching, performing, and generally doing a lot of rope. Um, Christian, how about you give us a bit of a better introduction of who you are and what you do? Hey, Scarlett. Uh, so pre-COVID, um, I taught people one-on-one. I taught group classes, basically rope bondage. Um, we do that England and abroad. And um, also I rig for videos and photo shoots. So um, models like yourself would book me and I'd tie you up and um, for help- helping make their content. Um, also, I do a little bit of help with people like pro doms. So, um, if someone wanted like a male dominant in a session, then um, uh, they'd book me, and I'd I'd help out on that front as well. Yeah, I can't believe uh, I didn't start with that. The way that we actually met was by you rigging for a photo shoot that I was involved with many, many years ago. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago now. <laughs> Definitely. Um. So I have a couple of personal questions to jump straight in at the deep end. Uh-huh. Um, so you are polyamorous, right? That's correct, yeah. Um, and I'm curious to know how, uh, how that impacts your view of uh, rope, whether that at all comes into your professional life. Uh, you know, like, do you only time with people that you're in a partnership with, or does it not impact it at all? Okay, um, so I tie with different people for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that I kind of had a. It, it's never been the case of I've only tied with partners. Um, it's always been a, a bit more open-minded than that. But I think that took me down the road of thinking that ties are effectively these really kind of light-hearted things that you can just jump in and out of. And as time's gone on, I've realised that actually I prefer it a lot more if I just limit the number of people I do rope with because tying takes a lot of a lot of emotional energy on both parts. And if you're, say, tying four times in a night, then what that's going to do is it's going to really tie you out. And um, it's kind of like like it's not like this because it's human emotions but it's like ice cream you know if you like constantly eat all the ice cream then you get sick of ice cream or you eat more ice cream than you should um so you say (laughs) i like your ice cream analogy um so you say tying like four people in a night yeah Do do you mean uh like friends at your house or um, so that would be something like um, like a play event, so like a, a kinky rope event where you know a fair few people there, and it'll either be people you know or people kind of say, "Hey, would you mind doing that to me?" And yeah, so that that um, for for someone who likes rope a lot, tops and bottoms, that can lead to an environment where you end up doing an awful lot of it, 
And yeah. that's great, but that can also have some knock-on effects sometimes, I think. Yeah. So uh, I guess you said that you don't exclusively tie with um, people that you are dating or in a partnership with. Do you view rope as always a sexual thing? Um, I, I find that a really fascinating question because most people's definition of sexual is different. So can I ask you what your definition of sexual is? Oh, interesting. Uh, I was enjoying being the interviewer, not the interviewee. Um, <laughs> good question. So, uh, gosh, I wasn't expecting to have to think about this. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's a big kind of generalization that people think about bondage and they assume bondage equals sex. Um, and I would say that the definition of that means, uh, or the assumption is that, that it involves some kind of genital touching or penetration, whether that's with hands, fingers, toys, body parts. Um, and for me, that rarely factors into the rope that I do. Um, maybe if it is with somebody that I am in a sexual relationship already, then I might consider discussing that aspect but often for me rope is um more about an emotional connection but I think I also have that view as a polyamorous person where the boundaries of what is a relationship what is a friendship and what do you do with each of those people is quite flexible Mm -hmm. uh, and quite open to negotiation with each individual person so something that I may not class as sexual um somebody else might For example, emotional intimacy and emotional vulnerability. Uh, That's one of the reasons I love doing rope. For me, it is, I guess, a a way of connecting with people that I can't or don't want to or whatever reason I'm not having any kind of um, more stereotypical sex with. It's a way of connecting emotionally uh, without having to use my genitals or their genitals in any way. How about you? Um, so to answer your question directly, I, I don't think rope is always sexual, but um, I think it, it's well worth acknowledging how varied people's um, definitions of sexual is. Because I've, at this point, I've had this conversation with so many people and I find it fascinating that I've stopped saying is something sexual or not. Because other than PMV sex, penis and vagina sex, um, people's definition of sexual is so different that you need to kind of drill down into, okay, so what does that mean to you? Like I was talking to um, doing a podcasting with with someone else the other day and their definition of sexual is, uh, do I feel happy in my pants? That's their definition. Um, Some people's definition is kissing. Some people's definition is, you know, just like a hand on the back. Um, Some people being like objectified and looked at as sexual. So, uh, so based on anyone's definition, you could look at what I do and say it's sexual because it's very rare that I don't have any of that. It's very rare that I don't enjoy looking at someone in rope. It's very rare that I don't, I'm not like in some way emotionally intimate with them. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I've definitely had rope scenes with friends uh, that have been very emotionally intimate but have involved no genital contact and after the session they said wow that felt like 
really intense sex and I would classify that as sex and I was a little bit shocked at that point because I'd never considered that that may be what that that one person could consider we were having sex whilst the other person could not think that I had always imagined in my head that sex was something that both people knew was definitely happening right now um and that experience really opened my eyes to how people view sex um and whether it's to do with intention as well because you know if your intention for a rope scene is to look at somebody very sexually and to maybe objectify them in a sexual way or do something that turns you on is is that sex it's it's very difficult to yeah. say what is and isn't sex when you take uh the kind of very standard penis and vagina model away yeah, and I've had people say that rope isn't sex, even though they've had like fingers in their vagina during it. It's like, well, I didn't didn't have sex with him, so it wasn't sex. Um, he was just him doing stuff to me. Um, so people's people's definitions are pretty out there. Uh, what I find more interesting about this is, well, not more interesting because it's all interesting, but what I found more directive is thinking about in terms of like, well, what do I want to get out of it? So why am I in particular attracted to this and? how how do i want to use rope to explore my play or ex- express myself um that tends to take me in more solid directions in terms of how, what i'm doing day to day yeah that's that's really interesting so moving a little bit onto the business side because i think we could get into the personal for hours and hours as we often do when we yes I'm interested to know what your job looked like before the pandemic and how that has changed over the last year or so. Sure. So um, an average day would probably be I'd wake up, um, a hopeless hedonist, who was my um, teaching partner. So if people didn't have a, a rope partner, they would come over and tie up hopeless headness because she was an experienced rope model she'd come over we'd have a cup of tea um a student would come in we'd teach her a couple of hours maybe have lunch then i'd go usually do the same thing again with someone else um i'd go teach somewhere in the evening so i'd go teach an evening class in birmingham or something like that or a couple would come over and i'd give them tuition um sometimes on an odd day i might go make some porn or um, if it was a teaching abroad kind of time, I might go travel off somewhere. So pretty varied as far as things go. But most days involved like um, having private tuition with like a, either a couple or someone on their own who wanted to learn. Yeah. I think you're um, as a professional rigor, your life is so varied. I thought my life as a model was quite, um quite varied and quite interesting but we've taught together we've performed together um we've taught group workshops and private uh individuals and just listening to the amount of different aspects that there are to your job is is fascinating yeah Um, i think because like i'm quite gray area so like i i'm not some people view rope bondage shibari as like an art form. And so, you know, we have to present it a certain way in a certain context. So let's not make porn or anything like that. 
Um, and some people view it as like inherently very sexual, and it should all it should be put in like these quite salacious environments. But I think because I kind of straddle that line, and I can kind of see both points of view on it, and I have done both. I think that gives a lot of opportunity to integrate myself into different situations. Yes, uh, it's a lot more flexible, and it's really fascinating. I mean, we could get into a whole debate on what is art and what is porn, and that in itself is a, a huge topic. Yeah. Um, but it's it's nice to know that you are open minded, and that having done both sides of that, how the two overlap and integrate with each other, and that you can work on a, a project that is exclusively, definitely porn, and you can work on something that is definitely just art so how has that changed since the pandemic since you know we've all been in various states of lockdown and unable to meet a lot of people uh, it's changed it massively so um obviously it's taken classes off the table and it's taken uh, face-to-face one-to-one tuition off the table um so what it's kind of left is i, I teach a little bit online so um slightly zoom one-to-ones with people and I started the bondage tuition YouTube channel as a way of I was curious as to whether it would work in like a video format of you know the same amount of information as I put in a face-to-face class whether I'd work in a YouTube video and that's been a really good way of interviewing other people as well and connecting with people and um, off the back of that I started a Patreon so if people want to donate then keeps the videos going and people who donate a little bit more, we do like a monthly online class. So it's, it's changed dramatically and um, I will definitely keep some of it going because some of it is fantastic and I love it, but I'm definitely looking forward to teaching people in person again and rigging in person again. Yeah. It's um, I love how you approach things and you always have this very flexible approach. And if something is unavailable to you you always come up with a a workaround um and i see that your youtube is becoming very very popular enjoying the conversations today well we wanted to take a short break to tell you more about our website are you looking to treat a loved one or yourself to some new lingerie or hosiery and don't know where to start Let the most diverse team of presenters from around the globe introduce you to more than 460 brands as we publish new and exclusive reviews every day. In fact, we have over 5,000 reviews online right now and you can join us from only $7.99 a month. However, we want to treat you to something a little special for listening to our podcast today. So use the promo code podcast when buying a 3, 6 or 12 month membership and we'll give you an extra 10% off the purchase price. Best of all, there's no time limit with this code, so you can keep using it each time you renew your membership. Please note this is not applicable to the monthly membership. So, after listening to the rest of this podcast, head on over to lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use the promo code podcast today. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the podcast. Previously, if you were teaching, obviously you would be charging for that service, for your time, for your skills and knowledge uh, and that kind of thing, as you would expect, you know, a plumber or anybody else to charge for their time and their services. Um, But with YouTube, are you you putting content out there for free? Is that why you have a Patreon? How how does that kind of work? 
Yeah, so I put a video out every week for free, sometimes two videos. Um, and again, I'm trying to I'm trying to um, reflect what I did in real life. So in real life, I would go and give a talk to like a, a munch group or I'd go and do like a class for travel money or something like that. Can I just interrupt and ask, what is a munch group? Oh, uh, a munch group is a, a group of kinky people who meet up in a primarily vanilla setting. So it's more of a um a social a social thing yeah so um in my experience a munch isn't just related to rope it's kind of kink kinky people in general can get together and chat about their likes and dislikes in a very informal setting such as like a a pub or a cafe or that kind of place right yeah absolutely so you give talks and things at those kind of events yeah so pre-covid it wasn't unusual i do a good few of those a month uh, for free um and what that did was is it tells people a bit more about what we do and it gives people a different perspective and a few of those people will book me for a private lesson or a few of those people will come to a class that i put on and that kind of works out quite nicely for me because it feels like a, a nice kind of balance of kind of giving and taking um what kind of got the situation at the moment is where with YouTube, I put things out and there's no kind of expectation of anything back, but it's a case of if you like what I do and you want to support it and you think it's worth like 25 pence an episode or whatever it is, then maybe donate on my Patreon. So what is your, I'll try and include the links when this podcast goes out, but what is, how would I find your YouTube or your Patreon? So if you look for bondage tuition on youtube uh that will that'll come along my channel uh you can find me on twitter and bondage tuition on twitter and my patreon is also bondage tuition i've only got that because um i feel like strange that no one took that handle on any of those platforms so i just got straight in there awesome um so previous to um covid and the pandemic I think there was a lot of, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but a lot of debate about whether people should learn online or from a book or whether they should only learn in person. And I think it, having been a big part of the in-person rope scene myself, I think it was a little bit, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but a little bit exclusionary of people that had learned online and a little bit there was a kind of an expectation that if you learn in person then obviously you're much better and you're more well educated and you're kind of elevated on a platform within the rope society um whereas now that's not available do you think that has changed and do you think learning online is a valuable way to learn rope um no i think that debate is still going to be there for some period of time I mean, even to take it to a more extreme, some I've seen a few posts by people recently that said that people who practice rope in private exclusively, then they are not to be trusted because they are not being seen by their peers and they're not being like judged by their peers. So that that argument of online versus in person has, has expanded even from just learning rope to practicing it as well. Yeah, that's fascinating. And there's also, um, I think the one thing that the rope community is very good at is publicly um calling people out and i think in one way this is very good because it shows that everybody is very 
on it with consent and making sure that other people are safe and they're joining a safe community. Um, also, that has a very negative side of it's, you know, one person's say against somebody else. And if somebody has a, you know, they don't like somebody, it's quite easy to just make something up. And yeah. um, I, I think that's very a very difficult line to walk. So I think that uh, doing your research and doing quite an in-depth research about somebody that you're planning to tie with is great. And pre-COVID, it would be easy to go and watch that person tie at a public event, decide how safe you think they are for yourself, and then make your own informed decision as to whether you want to tie with them or not. I guess now that is, you know, not an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I can see that debate, but also not everybody wants to go to a public event. Not everybody is comfortable tying in front of other people. And it's it's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the complicated thing, is because bondage, being tied up or tying people up, is one of the most prevalent fetishes across society. But if you look at an average kink venue, how many people can fit in there, realistically speaking? What? Even the huge ones, what, maybe like 100 people? 200 people. So where are all these people who are doing kinky bondage things? Like they're not doing it there. They're doing it in the house. Um, and we've seen, uh, I know from having taught students who have like tried something at home just under their own kind of volition and found that either it didn't work or it was really painful. And then they've come for a private class because they're like, well, we want to learn more about this or like that so this stuff is happening out there and it's happening without the permission of like any kind of higher beings telling people to do it or not um so to a certain extent i feel like it's inevitable i feel like people get an urge for a thing and they try it and that's not to say that you that i don't have a responsibility to put good clear content out there but it certainly um, reframes the argument in terms of whether it's right to put information out in the first place. Yeah, I think if you are somebody that attends a lot of rope events and rope conferences and that kind of thing, there's this kind of very idealistic notion that as somebody that's new to kink or rope or whatever it is, you first go to a munch, you meet other people, and then you go to an event and maybe you just watch, and then you go to a beginner's class and then you are kind of vetted by uh, educators and teachers Mm -hmm. uh, and they tell you at what level you can progress and monitor you know how safe the things are that you're doing and that kind of thing and you work along this kind of escalator um, of going from somebody completely new to being somebody that is then recognized by a group of other people as being a, a good or you know insert other word here kind of rigor whereas like you say in reality that that's great and that works for a small population but there's you know there's millions of people in the world and like you say bondage is I imagine one of the most kind of uh searched terms uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to things like pornography um and you know even asking my friends as I've been growing up and through life like I don't think I know anybody that hasn't at least tried some fluffy handcuffs Mm -hmm. so people are interested in this and they are doing it regardless of whether, you know, some, some educated person tells them that they're doing it right or not. Um, so that brings me on to thinking about how do you feel about um, 
putting things out there for free versus putting things out there behind a paywall because it's a difficult line right because you're not um your whole purpose in life isn't to give up your entire you know uh working day for free yeah so if if i can give like uh, a caveat to what i said before like i'm i i have no control over what other people do but if i were to make a suggestion for if you are learning rope um people who even good riggers who learn from books and videos tend to fall down in like a few different areas and i think even if you want to go it solo i feel like you would get a lot of benefit out of checking in with someone more experienced at a few different stages and that is when you first just start tying like your rope handling is probably going to be uh, a little bit subpar so for example we we don't tie knots particularly efficiently we don't put rope around people particularly efficiently we don't tension it particularly efficiently and having someone help you with that will make your experience so much better and then when you start making harnesses to suspend people with those harnesses are probably going to be lacking in a few different areas even if you are a very diligent student so getting some checking in with someone when you get to that point will probably benefit you a lot and also then when you start suspending making sure that all your lock-offs and stuff are being checked by someone else i think it will give uh, an awful lot of safety what do you mean by the word lock-off okay so if i were to suspend you which has happened a few times now um i'm going to tie some rope on your body which is going to stay where i put it if i've tied it properly and then i'm going to attach another rope to your body harness and then that is going to go up to what we call the hard point which is what is going to support your weight and because we're basically tying like a fancy knot if you mess that up someone's going to end up getting dropped on the head so there's kind of like quite a high um quite a lot of riding on that you'd be able to do that and i think it's not like it's especially complicated but there's a lot of ways you can go wrong with it and ways you can hurt yourself as a rigger as well so knowing how to do that efficiently is going to make your life so much less painful. Yeah, and I guess that applies to both you as the rigger and also the person who is in your ropes as well. Absolutely. So uh, do you feel a responsibility to put out uh, educational material um And do you think there is an expectation that that should be out there for free? Because we don't all have spare time to go around educating everyone for free, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I've been criticised for giving, say, private tuition uh, and charging for it, for example. Um, But I I would feel weird not doing a good portion of it for free. I think mainly because, like, when I first got into rope, there was a lot of elitism around. And so you'd have these people at clubs who were doing rope and they weren't interested in sharing what they knew. And they were putting it behind a very expensive paywall. So it wasn't just like, oh, it's just like a cheap little class go on. It's like you either, you are, they're asking for basically like circa a hundred pounds an hour to learn. And that's your only option. Um, and it tends to come with like a lot of caveats in terms of like, you have to approach them as like the, the humble student. You can't approach someone as like a person-to-person conversation. You have to admit this person is kind of like better than you. Um, 
And so a lot of what kind of motivated me to be better at rope and be better as a teacher was to level this playing field and be like, okay, well, you're a valuable human being who has things to offer. I know how to tie knots. I know how to put people into a decent headspace. I know about the kind of the things you have to overcome to have a decent session. So, um, and then can I, you know, make some of this free to get people interested in it to get people give people a good grounding and having an enjoyable session and then on top of that once we start going up that ladder then i'm going to start asking for a little bit of money because i need to eat three times a day yeah absolutely i think that's um a really a really nice way of going about it um and i guess in a way it's a bit like also any other kind of business that you know you use social media and I'm thinking, for example, of like my OnlyFans platform. Um, so whilst the majority of things that I put out there are behind a paywall, nobody's going to know about that unless I give them a taste of what's on there by using social media and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my Mine, unfortunately, is, um, or that aspect of it is less educational mm -hmm. um, and more... Uh, softcore porn i guess you could uh-huh um but, but the I guess world needs the world needs it right absolutely yeah. we're in a pandemic everyone needs boobs you know yeah People i agree um but yeah so and it i think on one hand it's kind of part of any business to network and share what you know a, a bit of what you do um but i feel very inspired by the fact that a lot of the content that you put out there isn't just solely for the purpose of marketing but is also very educational and I think you know like we talked about earlier there's a, a huge amount of people that are doing bondage anyway uh, and not everybody has the ability to pay for you know private education or uh, pay for any kind of tuition and I think a lot of there's a lot of videos on YouTube for example and people will go to somewhere like YouTube, type in some kind of search for, you know, how to tie a harness or whatever. And things will come up and people will do that and assume that that is good, informative rope. Mm -hmm. When realistically, anybody can make that video and put it out there. And just because it's free doesn't mean that it is at all good advice. Yeah. Um, so having someone like yourself put out there for free advice that is you know coming from a place of having done a lot of research and having a lot of experience I think is absolutely invaluable to people's safety and their interest and engagement in the, in rope thank you uh, yeah it's it's really important to me and I know that my kind of my interest in rope really got peaked by classes that were pretty cheap um, so like Rope Office Hours, for example, which is a, a rope event in Leeds, um, they used to put on classes relatively inexpensively. And it was like a it was a proper class. It wasn't a case of you had to go and grovel to some douchebag to teach you something. You know, you, you went and you got treated like a human being and you show up and you learn some stuff. And like, but that takes energy and effort. And you know, these things kind of need to be supported in different ways, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very, very, very much um, for chatting with us today. And I look forward to seeing more of your content. And I look forward to a time that we can tie together again. Yeah, me too.
Thanks for joining us on Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. Don't forget that we release a brand new episode every Wednesday for you all to enjoy. So if you love lingerie as much as we do, make sure to catch us same time, same place next week. Don't forget to visit the website lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use our promo code podcast to get an extra 10% off a three, six or 12 month membership today.